come on and sit down and watch this with me. You know you want to watch it. And I want you to watch it too. Come on. So like, I think like my favorite example of this is like, um, well, you know, Kevin Spacey's giant piece of shit, right? But great movie is Usual Suspects, and like I don't, I'm not gonna turn that down. Like I really, yeah, I'm not gonna stop liking that. I'm not gonna stop liking Seven. That one's also Brian Singer too, which is a whole. I know, and like, which is weird. And I'm not gonna stop liking Parks and Rec because you know Louis C.K. was in like a few episodes of it. It's just. I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things. It's it's a hard like thing to find. Like I definitely, like if Louis C.K. were to you know come out with something today, I would be like, no, fuck you. Well, yeah, I'm no, I'm not gonna that. watch it. Or, like like I'm not gonna watch his it... show. I'm not gonna watch Louis. Yeah, you know? yeah, because it's just so much him. Yeah, you know. But if he like wrote a movie that I thought it was hilarious, I'd probably you know be more because that's more of like the art for it, you know, as opposed to like the individual. I yeah, guess. I don't. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like kind of like their past like kind of their past stuff that is you know again like not just like you know like louis where that's kind of just like a a louis kind of being louis touting louis being louis right uh but you know like kind of like yeah past things that they've been in i'd I'd be kind of okay with but like kind of moving forward i probably wouldn't want to watch anything that right louis ck like wrote or directed or i wouldn't want to yeah watch anything well like i was abhorrent that everyone was in love with the movie the pianist you know which is a roman polanski movie oh and that came out in like what the aughts like 2000 yeah like after everything yeah and it was like really everyone's all about this you guys remembered (laughs) what he did or how like everyone still is it loves Woody Allen, and I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. We're, well, that's the thing we, too, we like, know about Woody Allen, and have known about Woody Allen know, for a long just time. Well, this now, like, true. True. Yeah. we're still it's we're just... still loving these movies by this absolute <laughs> well, sexual monster. It's kind of like monster. this weird thing too, where it's like you know now, like you know, a number of women have come out that have been in his movies in the last year. Like Greta Gerwig came out and apologized, to, like or like said that she regretted being in his movie, right? And, uh, I think like two other like women actors have come out and said the same thing. I can't remember their names right, right. now, but at the same time like no men have done that no. in any way and right. it's kind of the same thing that happened at the golden globes where there's like a lot of women who were talking about you know the whole like me too and time's up movement and uh a lot of reporters asking women about it but not asking men and a lot of men not taking the initiative to say anything about right. it right other than like <clears throat> seth uh myers who did right. so in his monologue and, yeah and um, we can launch into my biggest problem of the me too movement which isn't the me too movement of itself it's the male response to it because to me i think this is a huge male issue and the yeah. only response we're getting right now is from the women and i would love for like some really res- as a straight guy I would really love some responsible straight men to come out now, you know, yeah. and really say some shit as opposed to just being like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm James Franco. Ha, huh? psych. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> let's continue. Are we ready, guys? Yeah. yeah ready. Hey, everyone. Sorry for that long preamble, but uh, welcome to another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, Dennis, and I am joined by my two um, disgusting, filthy, gross curmudgeon co-hosts Cullen and Craig how are you both I hate everything <laughs> I'm alright Dennis uh, 
Sorry, I just haven't showered in six months. Damn straight. <laughs> I just got sick of calling you both lovely and talented because I feel like that's all I've been calling you for the past few episodes, and you're neither of those things. Um, <laughs> and I just wanted to knock you down a few pegs. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, anyways, uh, welcome to, uh, well, you know, we, we, we've kicked off, what was it, a few episodes ago, or maybe just last episode ago? No, two episodes ago, yeah, yeah. we kicked off season two, and so... Um, uh, we just came off of a great episode, uh, Grey Gardens. Hope you all enjoyed that. Oh, that was madness. We, yeah. <laughs> Still feeling it a little bit. Still feeling a little that, bit. That, that, that's kind of part of my hygiene issue. Is because, <laughs> you know. Are you feeding raccoons now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so uh, we uh, we are continuing uh, our our new kind of format of just loosely suggesting movies that we really want to watch. And um, uh, I noticed that this was actually an old recommendation from um, about six months ago of Collins. Um, the movie is Don't Think Twice, right? Is that the yes. name of it? Don't Think Twice. <laughs> I, for some reason, cannot get that title in my head. I kept on thinking it was like Don't Love Me or Don't Think Think or Think About <laughs> Things Twice. Um, all of those are not movies. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this movie came out in 2016, and before I ramble on further, I'm going to pass it off to uh, Colin. Um, yep, so yeah. this movie's from 2016. It's written and directed by Mike Birbiglia, who is not a sexual predator. Um, <laughs> that we know. <laughs> that we know. It has a 6.8 on IMDb, a 98% Rotten Tomatoes, and a 69% Audience Tomatoes. Um, it's about a New York-based improv group called The Commune, um, and at one point, they two of their members, um, Jack, who's played by Keegan-Michael Key, and Sam, who's played by Gillian Jacobs, get a chance to audition for Weekend Live. Jack gets the part, and it starts to um, splinter the group a little bit. Um, he Eventually, this meets a head when he steals one of their um, improv solutions um, performances that they've done and does it on Weekend Live. Um, then the group kind of breaks up for a while and eventually they come back together. Uh, but really it's just about this improv group and like how it, if one of them becoming famous affects the whole group. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this actually reminds me of the very first movie we ever covered, uh, Inside Lewin Davis. It kind of reminded me of like the, the New York Greenwich Village era of, um, you know, folk artists just like slumming it with each other and like performing on weekends and stuff yeah. in these tiny little clubs. But this is the, you know, the, the 21st century version of this involving improv comics. You yeah. Know, they all are, live together in right. this yeah. like tiny place and they all have day jobs. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of common too, like with a lot of, you know, art. Cause oh, I mean, it's the same way in like green room was yeah. very much the same way. Yeah. Of, with the punk rock scene. Yeah. Of them just kind of like living out of a van and kind of like slumming it up in whatever town that they're, you know, playing their gigs. Yeah. In. Um, I've, so I'm, yeah, I'm sure you can find a, you know, a microcosm of this, you know, in any kind of, performance art kind of subgenre or whatever but i mean really it's all just like a, a comment on our society and how poorly it views art <laughs> right <laughs> I yeah. mean, the, in terms of like you know uh actually being able to make a living off of it like right. showing like how i mean really how difficult it is like or it can be at least when um you know the art that you perform is something that you're very passionate about but is not something that is necessarily uh, seen as either like a high form or is not something that is you know uh, 
not something that you can make a lot of money well, off of. Well, yeah, precisely. Like, uh, uh, it, it, it real this this show really shows. Um, well, in one particular instance, it, it really shows like how um, uh, people that like receive these kinds of entertainment just take it for granted, and they won't pay the amount of money that is actually like I think. Uh, worthy to the amount of effort that goes into these kinds of projects, you yeah. Know, like a, a well, the these stand up troupe, the they're called the what are the the, the commune. commune, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, like five dollars a ticket, like the the what was the the manager of the theater is like that format doesn't fly anymore. You know? Oh yeah, 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 you can't do that. You know, and and they're losing their building too. Like they right. can't afford to keep performing in this space. Yeah, so they have to move out, and then eventually they um. At the end of the movie, they get a new space because um, Bill's char- Bill, the character played by Chris Gethard, his dad, um, before he died, had purchased a porno theater that they <laughs> repurpose into an improv space. What's great about that is that's almost identical to how the first UCB theater opened in New York. No shit. Was that it was a strip club uh-huh. that like Amy Poehler and like the other people who founded uh, the UCB um, bought and they renovated and turned into... Uh, the first UCB theater and then UCB like became like the one of the biggest training centers for improv in America not only in New York but also in Los Angeles oh yeah and like pretty much all over the country now um, yeah I think they're like firing up in Chicago even right um, yeah Chicago like is still more second city more of the second city yeah. and stuff like that but um but gosh uh this one really hit home for me. Well, not hit. It really hit home for me in my, you know, improv background <laughs> projects, guys. No, it's just that uh, I, 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 it really resonated with me because I recently got into this uh, podcast, Mission to Zix, and um, I paid into their Patreon page, which is, you know, it's like you can, like, donate money, basically, to these projects, these creative projects, and uh, then, you know, they give you gifts or whatever, or, like, act, you know, you can talk to them online or whatever, you know, these little things. But it's really just donations to help them finish their project. Because, I mean, as you guys know, po- podcasts are free. And and uh, and I just, it just, it like, this, this movie really resonated with me where just that concept of, like, these people that are so passionate about doing something that they absolutely love yeah. and just really sacrificing their whole lives to do something that is just not going to make them any money. Yeah, well, yeah, because... Yeah, you know, clarify because podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. Like, right, they take yeah, yeah. time, they take money, <laughs> and yep. investment it, it, to get Especially started. a podcast like Mission to Zix, which yeah. has a lot of after effects put on it, and like you have to spend like hours and hours and hours editing. Right. This. Yeah. yeah. This, this yeah. take, like our podcast, for instance, takes maybe like an hour, hour and a half per episode post to get it on air, as opposed to like <laughs> Mission to Zix, which is like 50 hours yeah. per episode, 45 minute episode. So, like, you know. And that's like not even to say, you know, like, you know, like the amount like you know, that you pay for equipment that you pay for, oh, yeah. you know, hosting, you know, your podcast on a site, you know, like a SoundCloud or, right. you know, Apple or, you know, whatever, you know. So, yeah, all of those things are definitely uh, factors that go into people who are putting in like this time and money for, you know, some a lot of times not a whole lot of return. And right. uh, yeah, podcasting and improv are very common in that way of like a very small amount of people like make it, you know, as far as, you know, getting picked up, but you know, on like an earwolf or, you know, getting picked up and, you know, getting onto SNL, you know, things like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, an interesting look into, yeah, just things that are passion projects, uh, that people just love to do. And, um, and I think that bill really, uh, exemplifies that in this movie, uh, as, you see him going through like his father's decline after getting into an accident, but at the same time, like 
the improv group is, you know, something that keeps him holding on and something that keeps, you know, uh, keeps him from going over the edge. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and even further to that point is Sam, because Sam like is just comfortable with this and she doesn't want more. Yeah. And like right. she has to convince, uh, you know, uh, Jack that, no, I'm okay here. Like I, I like this little pet. And the part I love is that scene where they break up basically on stage where he oh, shows like, and she's doing the show alone. And she's like, I'm trapped in a well. <laughs> and, and what I love is that she, like he, he's coming in. He's like, all right, well, I'll get you out of the well. And she keeps saying no. And that's like breaking the number one rule. You always say yes. Right. And she keeps saying no. And he's taking, he's going, no, but no, right. but yeah. until eventually she says, no, I've, I like it in the well. I belong in the well. That was so heartbreaking. And it, like, it's just oh my God, heartbreaking. Yeah. When, the, when she's like, I don't want to do the last performance alone. And then like, it shows like the next scene is like, is like, and now the commune. And then you see like, like the five chairs and then like two get taken she, away. She and pulls then away. Two yeah. more get taken away. And it's just like one. And then they always start their shows with, has anyone had a particularly hard day? And then someone says, yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> the audience is so brutal to them. <laughs> Like how, like, when, like, Jack gets famous and they're like, Does it, has anyone had a hard day? It's like, we want Jack! Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, like, at one point, like, Ben Stiller's in the audience. Oh, and, like, yes. Like, any like, other All suggestions right, anyone when had someone a goes... bad day? Ben Stiller <laughs> is in the audience. Yeah. Anything happened to you in particular? <laughs> um, I want to talk about the archetypes in this movie. Just yes. the character archetypes I thought were just absolutely amazing. Um... At first, I was a little upset with uh, Mike Birbiglia's character because I was like, oh, this guy again. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what yeah, I'm but saying? I, I, what I like about this is that Mike Birbiglia wrote that character for himself. Like, right. He's like, I'm going to be the one <laughs> yeah. who's like... Well, it was funny because it was like, uh, at one point, there, uh, when Ben Stiller comes into the restaurant or the bar after the show, uh-huh. and uh, I think it's like Bill that asks him, like, you know, like... You know, like in this movie and that movie, like how did you, you know, gain the courage to play such an unlikable character? And then I totally had that same thought at the end about Mike Birbiglia in this movie. <laughs> like, how did you find the courage yeah. to play such an unlikable character? Because he was like, yeah, like the first uh, two thirds of this movie, I was just kind of like, I mean, I get it, like because he's been doing this for so long, he's put a lot of himself into this, right. and it does seem like you know for him, like now two people that he actually like brought up in right. the scene are now like moving beyond him and he's still stuck in he's the same been place spinning like, wheels for in decades. the shitty apartment yeah. like with like a fucking hot water pipe go- right. that goes right over his head that he has to climb up and duck Dating under and get into his bed yeah. yeah and so I, I get like his frustration oh, yeah. and but at the same time it's like really just like hard to watch him just like take that out on people who are like actually like who have been working and like are actually just finding success and to have to finally come down to the moment where um, it was uh, Lindsay, who's like the trust fund, you right. know, un- like trust fund, you know, woman on un- unemployment. But, you know, like they had to have like their real moment, like during this, like the big breakup scene of the group where, you know, she's pretty much like, no, you just don't have it. Like, right. they, like you just don't have it. She's, she says the shit that, and then that, that goes into another thing I want to talk about is the writing in this where it's just like they write those characters that only only that dialogue can be said by people that know each other that well. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they nail it on the head. It's not missed at all. Like it's that comes from an, a place that Mike Birbiglia knows personally, you yeah. know. Um but I want to I want to what I really like about his character is the moment that the um 
the twenty something, his student that's dating him, like just leaves him, just walks out. So he's, he's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "I feel like a whore." It's yeah, like, you're forty. <laughs> like, I just turned thirty six. You know, and I just love that because up until that point, I was like, "God dang it!" You know, deal with this. You know, like she's gonna date someone, like never gonna like she's never gonna have enough, you know, of herself to like leave him or whatever. And then she just does, you know, and like <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, that's more real." Like like that. You yeah, know? <laughs> he is a piece of shit. You know. Uh, but I love some of these other archetypes too. I yeah. love uh, Allison Kate McCucci, who's like the cartoonist, mm-hmm. and she does the improv as like another thing. Right. Yeah, I I, I love how um, when she gets called out, you know, for for her timidity of a of of her comic books, you know, where like she's always writing these things, but like like uh, Lindsay calls her out on it and is like, well, "You've been writing the same shit for a decade, you know, you've never done anything with that." Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, this is like after. So yeah, like so after. Um, uh, Jack Keegan Michael Key or yeah yeah okay I was like Keegan Michael P no. <laughs> uh, well, you can't tell them apart Craig <laughs> you don't know which one's Keegan which one's Peel Craig <laughs> so yeah after uh, he gets on the show you know they're all kind of like well you know if you could just like get our writing packets to you know someone at the show uh, kind of like the um What's to his name? Timothy, who's their stand-in yeah, for Lord Michaels. Yeah, who's their Lord Michaels, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I love that guy. And uh, so, like, they do, and they also, he, like, finally kind of, like, works up the courage to get, you know, their work into him. And, um, you know, Lindsay's the one that gets the part, like, gets the writing job after all of this. Right. And so they're, um, you know, they're all kind of, like, at this, like, moment where everything kind of comes to a head where, um, you know, and that's where she talks to uh, Allison and, you know, kind of says that, you know, like, well, you haven't finished your, you know, graphic novel you've right. been working on for six years after she's like, well, you know, I don't think your work ethic because you're just like this trust fund, you know, kid. And um, and I yeah, I really that was another character that I felt like had the potential to be like really unlikable and definitely was unlikable in moments where Lindsay? it's like, yeah, she's oh, like yeah. in therapy. And it's like literally she's like paying someone to tell her that, you know, she doesn't have to feel bad about being rich. Right. And it's like such a like an ironic moment of oh, like, I know. like you're literally paying someone to tell you that it's fine but, to be rich. But like I love and, that. I love that glimpse into her life. That's like such utter sadness where like there's the note on her door from her mom. Like your room smells like pot. Yeah. And she's like in her like late 30s, maybe, yeah. you know, and like. And then the next scene is just her and her like really nice bedroom just smoking weed. You yeah. Know? It's like, yeah, but she's With, also like, the there. Princess bed, like right. it's all, yeah. But she's also googling Jack Mercer, right? Yeah. Like it's so it's a a real sad moment. Right. That's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. yeah, it's it's this window into like you know she, yeah she has all the financials you know. We should not have to worry about that or whatever, but it's so hollow. Like, yeah. what else is she doing with you know? And she's on an unemployment, which is just oh like... god, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, I love uh, Gillian Jacobs' character in this, and I yeah. just love Gillian yeah. Jacobs <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, yeah, like watching her, like when she, so like you can t- you can kind of see like what's happening as um, as Jack is going off to his audition. Like he's like, all right, let's go, it's time to go, and she's like still kind of like sitting at home, like you know, working on you know like bits or whatever for the audition, and she's like, no, no, just go ahead, just go ahead. Uh, I'll like my audition's fifteen minutes behind you. I'll just get to the right. next train, and then she finally gets there, and she just like doesn't go in. Right, and you can kind of like I love how you get to see that kind of building up to her finally just being like, no, like I I don't want anymore. I love where I'm at. Like I enjoy being here. Right. These are like the people that I like want to be around. This is the environment that I want to be in, and. 
like the weekend live like SNL like style of comedy isn't for me that lifestyle isn't for me and I really loved how yeah Gillian Jacobs like brings that out in this movie right to to like I mean I I envy that to like to have the confidence to be comfortable you know to find something that you love and just and to know when to stay you know yeah like how cool how cool that would be Gillian Jacobs had not done any improv prior to this movie aside from being on Comedy Bang Bang a couple times are you telling me that before being a Comedy Bang Bang she's never done any improv ever never done any improv because her on Comedy Bang Bang are like some of my favorite episodes they're hilarious ever. and she's brilliant in she's that. brilliant what, who does she marry Gary Marshall <laughs> yeah, it's right. always these things with her as like this like fictionalized version of herself like and Paul F. Tompkins as Gary Marshall <laughs> 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 oh, I, I love her. I, uh, I think this, yeah, I, and I think a lot of this movie is about that, like knowing when to stay and when to let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because for her, it's when to stay, and for Miles, it's when to let go. Yeah, and I and I feel like even like you know with like friendships, that's like a big thing too, like of finding you know like those moments where it's like sometimes you know like people like outgrow, and so like they move and they do something else. And how, again, that creates, like, that tension and how that, and this movie, like, catalyzes a lot of those other people to have to look at their relationships and decide, you know, like, where it is they want to go. Like, if they do want to stay, if they do want to leave. Because, I mean, at the end of the movie, they've all pretty much moved into different places other than, uh, like, well, like, Sam and then um, Allison and Bill, I think, are working in the theater together. Yeah. And then... um, Lindsay's uh, writing for SNL. Yeah, Lindsay's writing for yeah the SNL. Miles has like moved on and like now is like married with like a kid that he's raising that's not his own kid. I love that conclusion. Uh, yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but then like in the but like the last scene of this movie is like all of them kind of together except for Jack who. You well, know, Jack they, is there with them, but then Jack has to leave. Well, yeah, but they, right. like, he doesn't go to the theater with. Them, oh, right, like, in right, that last right. Scene yeah. where they all go into like the new theater, right? Um, and it's like even though like they're all not going to be in that theater after this, like you could still see like Jack even has you know kind of like moved a little bit further away even, and so right. Uh, it's really uh, yeah, it's a really interesting look at like the dynamics of like relationships because they've all been together at this point. I think it was like at least like like. I think like six years is like the shortest, and then like up to like ten to like ten years. I think is like oh, the really? longest, like of the, like the people that have kind uh. of like been in there in that group for that period. So, um, yeah, I, I just it's so good. Yeah. One of my favorite lines towards the end of the movie is a quote from Del Close, where she says, "Del Close once said, watching great improv is like watching people put the plane together while they're all while they're already in the sky." Yeah. yeah. And I want to bring this back to what you were talking about with Mission to Zix. Where, like, this hones so true to me for when you're listening to a great episode of, like, Mission to Zix or Hello from the Magic Tavern or you're listening to a great episode of Comedy Bang Bang. You're or like, Super Ego. Or Super Ego. <laughs> it's like you're just watching these guys, like, juggle all this stuff and just do it so masterfully. Yes. And you're like, how are they, like, how is anyone this quick? How is anyone this confident? Yes. Like, it's so great. I know. Um, and that's where I'm just like, like, yes, I love supporting these artists and stuff, you know? And... And I, I, I want to talk about, like, um, that, like, 
good thing for the internet and things like Patreon and 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 shit, even things like for podcasts and stuff to allow these kinds of artists to have like more venues to get to even more people as opposed to just like I mean, think of like how miserable we'd all be like if it, if we you still had to like rely on like like analog, you know, to get to you know like a club and stuff or like yeah. like how miserable we would be in denver you know it's like oh let's go catch some improv you know like it's good once a year maybe and, and you're <laughs> getting some people who aren't you know the top like we right. get to hear like the best of the best yes doing. yeah and like, just by going online you know yeah. and now with like sites like patreon you know you can actually support these people and like and help them out you know and like get you know those season two or season three or whatever you know that you couldn't before and I feel like uh, in the early aughts, like a lot of this stuff suffered. You know, a good example is like Arrested Development or, um, you know, later on Better Off Ted, you know, where like the only venue was like, all right, you know, like the old school, let's write a pilot for a TV show you know, yeah. and see if that connects, you know. And I, I, you know, I tell you what, I bet if like now with the Internet television, I bet Better Off Ted would have survived. I bet, you know, if, if it got picked up by, you by know, like a Netflix or like a Hulu, Hulu or something, something like that. Yeah. Um, I bet it would still be around. Um, so, yeah, I, I really love this window into that, you know. Um, real quick, I just yeah. want to... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, just kind of a show that, that kind of reminds me of that, that feels like um, it probably would have gone, like, underappreciated if it had come out in that same kind of, like, time, like, period of time is, like, The Good Place. Yes. Like, I feel yeah. like that show probably would have only gotten one season if mm -hmm. it had come out in, like, 2000, you know? Or, like, 2008, even, you Yeah. Know? Like, when the, if it came out the same year that Better Off Ted did, it, I bet it would only last, like, two seasons, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, um, I I just had a random question. I was like, do you think Lena Dunham would have had a cameo in this movie in 2018? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. If this had been filmed in 2018, I was like wondering. I was like, would Lena Dunham have been the choice that they would have had for a cameo? <laughs> well, they have a few cameos. They have like Lena Dunham. They have Ben Stiller. They well, yeah. have uh, Pete Holmes doing his impression of Ray Romano singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, Pete Holmes. Um uh i love the the lauren michaels character uh, yes with the wooden bike that bjork built <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, just how matter of fact he is always like yeah don't don't tell, give me your friends things you should just be focused on not getting fired by me <laughs> um so yeah i um good good pick cullen um i does that wrap us up i've got a couple more little uh notes and uh quotes uh how did they find the party at the end? Because, like, the first time they were tr wanting to go to the SNL after party, like, they don't know where it is. And oh, right. Is, oh, so yeah. at the end, they go confront him. How did they know where the party was now? Good, That's a great question. Good point. Um, well, I think they knew where it was before, but they were just waiting for him to let them in. Oh, okay. I think they knew where it was. They were just waiting for him to let them in. And so this time they just barged in. At one point, Jack or somebody says, you can't do improv forever. And I'm like, oh, well, tell that to a bunch of UCB people who are crushing it all over the place. <laughs> crushing it. Yeah, tell that to Paul F. Tompkins, who invented Spontaneation. Um... Oh, I, Keegan Michael Key does not as do as good of an Obama as Jordan Peele does. <laughs> um, and then just uh, I like how this kind of goes into the history of improv, like how it was invented in Chicago mm -hmm. and like Del Close and all these people like were the founders of it. And I recently learned that Del Close is in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
Really? Yeah, he's the English teacher. Like, you know how they have, like, the Ben Stein doing the... Yeah. But before that, there's the other teacher who's yeah. doing the... That's Del Close. Really? Yeah. Oh. I just recently learned that. That's great. Um, my last thing is, as always, when a movie has, like, 99, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, I have to go see who the two guys were. <laughs> um, so one of them is Kathy Fennersey of The Seattle Stranger, who said... Mostly, it's a lo-fi cover of Morrissey's We Hate It When Our Friends Become Successful. Kind of whiny, kind of mean, and kind of true. So, so she so, got it, but she hated it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from that one. And the other one was Alan Zilberman from the Washington Post, who said, Paradoxically, Don't Think Twice feels both dramatically thin and overstuffed. <sighs> and cool. I just, I, I don't get, I mean, I guess you're entitled to your opinion, but... Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that wraps me up on this movie. And in terms of our, like, I want you to watch this. I mean, this is an indie movie, so yeah. it's like one kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. So yeah, I'm, I uh, I think uh, um, there's a there's a few people that I want to really tell this movie about, um, and I am really excited that I watched it. This is right up my alley. Um, so thank you. Um, so we good we good guys oh we good oh we good all right well that wraps up our review of don't think twice uh next episode is going to be a special episode uh we are doing the 2017 uh season our season one uh year in review or season in review however you want to kind of suss that out in your head for yourself uh we will be covering um our, our personal top three favorites that we covered on our podcast as well as our top three favorite movies that came out last year in 2017 so um that we did not cover that we did not cover yes right and yeah um so there's that and then we also cover some recommendations and stuff and a few more fun things so uh look forward to that um do we have any recommendations for this week gentlemen uh i'll recommend uh the podcast keep it it's uh, Ira Madison the Third, and the, there's one episode out now. It just started this week, and uh, he kind of talks current events, pop culture, um, and yeah, keep it is just is his like catchphrase, pretty much uh, of like like pretty much like fuck off. Like <laughs> it's like pretty much like anything that's like oh like no we don't want that like keep it. So ah. that's uh that's the Keep It podcast. It's cool. pretty hilarious. Wow. I'm going to recommend This Is Us. It's a really great drama. It's on uh, NBC. It's about um, these these triplets. Well, triplets like the, uh, two uh, twins and their adopted brother. And um, kind of their lives, like what's going on with them as adults. And it also gives flashbacks as to how they grew up. And it's amazingly acted, amazingly written. It's just one of the best shows, I think on tv right now so if you're not watching it go get on uh, this is us yeah sterling k brown just won a golden globe for that for uh best uh, best actor best actor in, yeah, movie in, a, in a drama oh yeah. in a drama right first, first black man to win very, the award very well deserved he is amazing on that show. cool that's awesome um my recommendation is actually from um <clears throat> this movie that we just watched uh, it's the band that's played uh at the fake saturday night live uh ll i 
really like that song and I looked them up and their album was really good so um, check them out um, and then uh, just double up on that uh, I just got, I'm just gonna double down on my recommendation for the soundtrack of Turbo Kid I just love it so much um, <laughs> it's really good it's really good <laughs> so check those out found on Spotify uh, so that wraps up our episode um, on don't think twice Yes. yes, you got hey. it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you can find uh, all of our episodes on soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT, as well as any and all podcast listening apps like SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, the you know iTunes stuff. Uh, and wherever you find us, please rate and review us with that cool rate and review button. Give us five stars. Tell us what you think. We will read your review on air. Um, also tell your nerdy movie fan friends about us. Word of mouth is really the only thing we got going for us to spread this podcast. Um, you can find each and every one of us individually on the Twitter. I am at of the Bucks. I'm at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch. As well as this podcast at IWYTWT. Um, anything else, guys? That, that wraps us up. Join us next week for our year in review, season one, 2017. Bye. Be there. watch Come on and watch with me. I want you to watch it, just watch, just watch this movie with me. I said I want you to watch. Watch the fucking movie.